We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 126, the 2017 Yankees opening day version. Scott, I would like to go back to a simpler time when the Yankees were playing like the best team in baseball, also known as 2017 spring training instead of regular season. That's the problem. I I tweeted this out. Tanaka still thought it was spring training. It's very confusing when you play in Tampa after you've had an entire spring training in Tampa, and then you have to understand that it's a regular season game. I am pretty sure that the translator screwed this up somehow, and uh, Tanaka just was working on high fastballs. Well, uh, your theory goes out the window because he was dominant in spring training, only let up one run, and he got shellacked. On Sunday afternoon, so I don't think he thought it was still spring training. Had he thought it was still spring training, he would have pitched like a dominant pitcher. No, see, he had he had already shown enough. He was he was just you know getting some work, get, just getting that arm going. I think it was just you know mentally he wasn't into it. He realized how dominant he was. He had nothing more to prove, 
and it was the Tampa Rays spring training game. I mean, what's the point of that? He didn't recognize one name on the other side of the Evan Longoria look has a beard, didn't recognize him. <laughs> that did so, throw me for a loop, actually. So there's a lot of things that were weird. You know, it's uh, it's in Tampa. There were a lot of Yankee fans there. So again, he just thought he was You're already in, making at, excuses at a regular, for Tanaka. Uh, I see at a regular spring training game. Nah, I see what's happening. You're making excuses for Tanaka's poor performance, just like the rest of Yankees fans. It's it's sad, really. It's sad. Donald Trump's sad. <laughs> I'm not making excuses for the dude. It was just, uh, you know, we'll get into it. It was, it was obviously a, a terrible outing. It was. A couple of housekeeping notes before we get into everything uh, that we're going to talk about this episode. 25% off code for this week in the fan shop is opening day. All one word. Use code opening day to get 25% off awesome gear and merch from the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop. Hey, Scott, quick question for you. What are you doing on June 10th? Well, Andrew, it's funny that you asked me that question. We actually have a very big announcement for Bronx Pinstripes, and I, I'm extremely excited about this. This is something that that I have been thinking about for a couple of years now, and it's finally it's finally uh, heading into fruition. So, on June 10th, it is uh, the Yankee game versus the Orioles. It's a Saturday night, seven o'clock game in the Bronx. It's one of I think two Saturday night games. This summer, the so, Yankees don't normally do that. They usually do the Saturday matinee. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's why it's been difficult for us to get this thing going. We are having our first Bronx Pinstripes uh, game party event. You name it, fan we have, frenzy. We have 250 seats reserved in right field for Yankee fans. We're setting up now. I'm in talks with uh, with a certain brewery. I'm in talks with one of. Uh, a, a bar around Yankee Stadium. We're doing a, a T-shirt for the event. We're going to do a pregame party. We're going to do awesome tickets for the game at a very discounted rate. We're, we're making this extremely affordable for everybody, and it's going to be one package price. So I'm really excited for it, and I wanted to tell everybody about it now so that you can mark June 10th off of your on your calendar that you are going to the Yankee game with uh, the with Bronx Pinstripes, and we're doing a big event. Um, so definitely mark that down. All the details, I'm working out a lot of the details and hopefully will be cemented uh, this week and I'll be able to put something out either end of this week or early next week as far as just something on, on uh, online and with an event page and all this other stuff along with those lines. So that's it, man. I- I'm excited for this. This is something I've been been trying to and looking forward uh, for, for to do for at least two years now. This is uh, one of the early early envisioned uh, plans I had for Bronx pinstripes and uh, finally we're doing it so June 10th seven o'clock game mark it down seven o'clock game we are gonna be the loudest rowdiest group in that stadium against the Orioles on Saturday night I'm not gonna lie after watching the World Baseball Classic I kind of want to start introducing some of this other flair into into this group I think it would be a lot of fun. I know Joe's McFly was talking about bringing his like Dominican drums. Like that's awesome. I'm talking <laughs> as long as I, it's not a cowbell, like at the trop. The cowbell, no. And and I I, I think I what are those uh, the thunder sticks? Like zero thunder sticks will be around. Vuvuzelas or whatever from yeah, the yeah, soccer. The, so so two so two things. There will be no thunder sticks and there will be no zuzuvuelas, whatever the hell those things are. Yeah, but I, I think some some uh, some drums would be sweet. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's uh it's gonna be. 
it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're working on some really cool stuff. So definitely keep an eye out for that and mark it on your calendar. Yeah. Like Scott said, follow, uh, keep following the podcast and, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, because all the details will be coming out hopefully in the next week or so. Also follow Bronx pinstripes on Instagram and Twitter because tomorrow we've got rich and Keith from our, from our team going to Yankee stadium for a private tour of the new stadium upgrades, as well as a sampling of all the new food items that they have. I'm sure they've got some wild hamburgers that cost like $35, but I'm sure they're delicious. So follow Instagram and Twitter Bronx pinstripes to get uh, all of that behind the scenes info. And by tomorrow, you mean today, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yes. I always run into that issue. Yes. They will be there Tuesday, April 4th. Also, uh, rate and review the podcast in iTunes. I say it every week and every week it works because more and more people do it. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and give us a good rating and review. Okay, let's get into some stuff. I feel like so much has happened. Not only was there an actual real regular season baseball game with grown men throwing and hitting baseballs, mostly off Tanaka, on television, but we also got a lot of answers to the roster questions that um, were unanswered for all of spring training. And it was so let's get into all that before we get into our opening day thoughts. Um, first of all, Severino was named the fourth starter. And yeah, sho- shocker. That was not a big shocker. I think we both predicted that that was going to happen because they, you know, they're Severino's a young guy and they're not trying to give up on him as a, as a starting pitcher yet. That was, wouldn't you say that was the. Uh, biggest question or the biggest storyline going into spring training? What, if he could rebound and become that starter? That they The starting wanted? rotation competition was sort of the biggest storyline, yeah, I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of big storylines and a lot of great stuff to watch, but, but how the Yankees rounded out their questionable starting rotation, I think, was storyline number one. Severino is the number four starter. He will pitch the, uh, the opening game in Baltimore this week. Um, so we won't see him down in Tampa. Uh, he, he had, we talked about it at nauseum, his, his work on his changeup, his off speed stuff. It's, but it's now or never for Severino in the starting rotation. They're going to give him every chance to succeed or fail. And it's going to be at the major league level. I applaud the Yankees for doing that because I think you've like, like we've been saying, you got to see what we have in Severino. It's the right move. I mean, he's still a young guy. This is somebody who's had success. It's not like he's never had success in the majors before. He's had success. We've seen him start and be successful uh, in the major league. So we know he can do it. We know it's there somewhere. The fact of the matter is this guy just has to put it all together again, be more, be consistent, finally be consistent, and, you know, have a good year. And uh, obviously they want him as a starting pitcher because starting pitchers are a lot more difficult to to grow, to, uh, you know, to, to get on your team via free agency or more trade or whatever. <laughs> They're a lot more expensive. It's just a, it's a much higher commodity uh, than the relief pitchers who the Yankees seem to be able to churn those guys out of nowhere. Um, and, and honestly, you see that around Major League Baseball too. So yeah, we're, they're going to give him every opportunity. And I, you know, this is, well, I don't think it's his, his very last opportunity. I, I think it's, he's, you know, he's on his last life or two uh, as a starting pitcher. So he really needs to take advantage of it now. Yeah. And I think it's also really important for him to get off to a good start because I think he's a little bit mentally weak. No doubt. No doubt. So if he goes out there in Baltimore and gets shelled, Mark Trumbo takes him for a couple 500-foot blasts and Crush Davis is pumping that Adderall into his system before the game and takes him deep, I I could see Severino kind of crumbling mentally. And that's – 
I, it's not the talent. I'm positive it's not the talent. I think it's between the ears. You know, when you're looking up to guys like Mike Pineda, and like those are the guys in front of you, not a good, not a good, uh, not a good guy to to be a mentor. You can't see it, but I'm doing the on. arm motion right now, the Pineda arm motion. Yeah, it's it's just uh, there, there. There's a lot of lack of confidence. It seems like at the within the five guys in this rotation. Four, unfortunately, four. Yeah. Because the Yankees have not named a fifth starter. They will not do so for a couple weeks. They don't need one because of all the off days. So Chad Green and Jordan Montgomery will continue to battle it out for the fifth starter. Montgomery really made a name for himself in the last couple weeks of the of spring training. Um, Montgomery's going to pitch twice in, in AAA. Chad Green's going to pitch twice in AA. I think it's a little interesting they put Green in AA, Montgomery in AAA. I don't know what, if anything, to read into that. I don't know if they who they're leaning towards. Um, something maybe kind of a, a slight bit of me thinks maybe Montgomery just because he was the the upstart guy um, and he's a lefty and they um, could use another lefty in the rotation. But but I, I I honestly think whoever pitches better in those two starts and and I don't know how much you can tell from minor league starts early in the season, but I think whoever looks and pitches better in those two starts will will get the job. Yeah, and don't be uh, don't be mistaken. These both of these guys will be pitching in the major leagues very soon, most likely. The uh, I th- I agree with you. I think Jordan Montgomery has the leg up right now because of the way he finished spring training, and also Chad Green has experience in the bullpen. Not that they're going to use him in the bullpen right now, but there there is that. I think Jordan Montgomery is has been a starting pitcher throughout this entire process, and they want to see him as a starting pitcher. And I think they like the fact that he's a lefty as well. Would give them another option. So. Uh, I, I definitely think Montgomery's got the leg up if he can pitch well in AAA. And uh, and then Chad Green, you know, they're going to keep some guys stretched out, but there are options in the minors that will, uh, in AAA especially, and then double. I mean, look at that A starting pitching staff, and it's pretty filthy. It's it's pretty ridiculous if you look at it. Um, but don't be surprised if you see some of those younger guys coming up and uh, and taking a spot if one of these guys stumbles in the first month while they're up as the fifth starter. Yeah, I think I think the fifth starter is going to be a lot of them throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, totally. Definitely going to happen that way. Yeah, and and don't count Brian Mitchell out either. I think they're going right. to keep him stretched out. Um, the only one I, I think they've probably ruled out is Adam Warren. I think Adam Warren has that that role. And, you know, if you look about it, I was thinking more about this, actually, when I saw when we, when we were watching Tanaka struggle so badly. Um, Warren is still that guy that that Girardi can go to to pitch multiple innings, and I and I really think that comfort level, and the fact that if you look across Major League Baseball, the starting pitchers are going are going uh, are not going as deep into games you know throughout. I mean across across with every team they have a guy who can come in and pitch you know two three maybe four innings, and and Warren's that safety net guy, and I think Girardi likes having that. So yeah, you just I, don't I expect he's, it he's to happen on Tanaka starts. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Judge was named the starting right fielder, and I Thank was God. I was so worried when when that lineup last Tuesday went out, and everyone was freaking out because Girardi said this could be very similar to opening day, and Ellsbury was in the five hole, which threw everyone for a loop, and Aaron Hicks was starting in right field. I was so pissed because. Not only did Judge outperform Hicks statistically, but even if they were even, you'd say, I want the Yankees to give the job to Judge because he should be a part of their future and Aaron Hicks should not. 
I mean, I thought I thought Twitter was going to have a meltdown, and, and every Yankee fan was going to have a meltdown when that when that comment came out. And he was just being so. I, I swear he was trolling the fans at that point. Like I'm going to put Aaron Hicks on there and make this comment and drive everybody crazy, because you know everybody wants to see Aaron Judge. I mean, the Yankees want to see Aaron Judge succeed because he's such a, uh, you know, dynamic figure, like literally. And and the fact that the guy's so marketable, they want him to do well. There's no doubt about it. Aaron Hicks has nothing. He's very vanilla. There's nothing. There's nothing to him. Judge, uh, Judge, uh, with the high socks and the eye black, wearing number ninety nine, looking like a linebacker up there or at at the plate. I mean. He looks like the most badass baseball player in history. I mean, it's just fun to watch, even if he's batting number eight next to Torres, who looks like his his little small friend. Yeah, it's pretty funny seeing the two of them standing together for sure. And I love the high socks, the ninety nine. I've talked about this before. The man made the most perfect decision to keep that ninety nine on the back of his uh, his jersey because it's it's absolutely perfect for him. So yeah, I mean, look, we all we all freaked out. And uh, everything's all good because Judge got the spot and now he just needs to uh, deliver. And so far, so good. If the de- So I, I saw a lot of people saying that one of the decisions to them possibly leaning towards Hicks is because that he plays better the more time he sees. And if you're making your decision based on accommodating Aaron Hicks, I think that's a real big problem. So I'm glad they're keeping him as the fourth outfielder. I still think Hicks is going to get a lot of playing time because... I mean, this outfield still has a lot of question marks with, with Gardner has not played well all spring and who knows what Ellsbury's going to be and the injuries of that those two guys face. So I still think Hicks could see a lot of time, but I'm glad that they that they said judges are starting right fielder because because like we just said, he's the future or should and, be in the future. And you that's that's I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things to follow is how Gardner starts off this season because if he has a slow start one, there are multiple people in, in AAA just ra- ra- waiting to take that job, like ready to go, chomping at the bit, waiting to take that job. But the first guy in line, the, the immediate guy, is going to be Aaron Hicks, and he's going to get more playing time over Brett Gardner if uh, if Gardner does struggle early in the season. Because there's, you know, I, the time has run up. Everybody knows that, that Gardner does not have much longer on this team. And, um, you know, we've talked about this in the, in the offseason that I wouldn't be surprised if they – if they uh, eventually benched him and uh, and he became a fourth outfielder at some point. Uh, Pete Cosma won the utility player job. He'll be here until Didi comes back. And then in the bullpen, which we saw pretty much everybody out of the bullpen on Sunday, we've got Tommy Lane, Brian Mitchell, Chase and Shreve, and Jonathan Holder won our boy Ben Heller's spot as the last righty out of the bullpen. Obviously, in addition to Chapman, Batances, Clippard, and Warren, um, I thought it was interesting. Girardi said of Heller that he really impressed him this spring, but he just needs to be more consistent. And that's one of the things we talked about with Heller was was being more consistent with his secondary pitches. Um, so that was, you know, it's just sort of interesting to follow his road now that we've had a chance to talk to him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Holder pitched really well, too. And he was a guy that they were extremely high on at the end of last year as well. He had that that really long scoreless streak or hitless streak, yeah. or whatever it was. Great in the strikeout, minors. great strikeout to walk ratio and all like yeah. Holder's numbers look spectacular. I mean, yeah, there's going to be he looks like any wearing 65. He looks like it's <laughs> like watching Phil, Phil Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, it's like watching Phil Hughes actually succeed. <laughs> hey, Hughes <laughs> was pretty good out of the bullpen. And then for a half season as a starter. Uh but similar to that fifth starter spot, the bullpen's going to have a lot of rotation guys going or a lot of a uh, uh, rotating door is what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And 
it's it's just interesting to watch because there are some very talented guys in the minor leagues now. It, I don't think it's it's not what it was uh, two years ago where with the the uh, the Scranton the Scranton shuttle was just a bunch of no name dudes. I mean, we have some guys that that have a name and and that have some some good potential uh, in the minor leagues now. So you know, I think that like you said with the starting pitcher at the fifth spot, I think they're going to do very similar things with the with the with the uh, the bullpen and and find those guys that that can come in and and perform and I think that that guy or that one or two guys is definitely on this roster or in the minors. All right, opening day. <clears throat> you and I and every other Yankee fan was so incredibly excited for opening day because of the amazing spring and all of the excitement with this young roster, the youngest roster the Yankees have had in years. The average age on the opening day roster is 29, and it hasn't been below 30 in pretty much our li- or my lifetime. I think when you were watching back in the 80s, it was probably in the in the 20s back then. But it took I don't know five minutes for that excitement to wear off, and the reality of what could be the 2017 Yankees to set in. First of all, Tropicana Field is disgusting. I know they updated the turf to supposedly make it more more bright, but that's a disgusting place that looks devoid of all color, and I think it needs to be blown up and burned to the ground. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, if you, I don't know if you, there's a couple of people that I saw on Twitter and Instagram just complaining about how the traffic is just a nightmare getting in and out of that place too, and nobody from Tampa even wants to go there because it takes forever to get there. So the place just has so many problems. The, the actual building is a dump. You can't see the freaking fly balls because the roof is white. <laughs> you, the, the turf is now a lot shorter too, right? Didn't they? It's like, a, I think, three quarters of an inch shorter too. So it's probably going to skid all over the place. It's just a nightmare. Hey. They just need to, they need to go to Montreal and be done with it. At three quarters of an inch, that makes a huge difference. That's a huge difference, I know. <laughs> but again, they, they need to get the hell out of Tampa. I, I just, I don't see how they could possibly succeed in that area. They, they should, they should have, uh, that game should have been playing at, played at Steinbrenner Field. It would have been better. <laughs> it would have been way better. Or at the Rays, at the Rays uh, Tanaka would have stadium. dominated. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny that um, open, it's like opening day, the first game of the 2017 season. It's in Florida. It's probably 78 degrees and sunny outside, and we've got a freaking roof over our heads. I honestly think baseball should get rid of all domes. I know it's next to impossible in places like Tampa or Miami where it rains all summer, but baseball does not belong indoors. I know I sound like an old get-off-my-lawn guy, like uh, Goose Gossage would probably be patting me on the back right now, but I do not like baseball indoors. How about a retractable dome at least, just so if it is nice, you can open it. The, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it, it was a weird scenario. First of all, having that game on Sunday at one o'clock just felt strange. It, it almost didn't feel like opening day. It was, it, it's usually a work day. It, it, I don't know. It just didn't have the same effect. For yeah, I usually reason. dick off at work all day and just watch the Yankee game, and I yeah. couldn't do that today. I know. People were confused, I think, with that, including Tanaka. So, and the fact that <laughs> More they, excuses. That, the fact that Major League Baseball started, I mean, just just it just looks wrong starting in Tampa Bay at that at the trap. I mean, come on. That's your first that's America's first vision of regular season baseball at the trap. Please. That's a disaster. It's been a buzzkill. The Yankees were a buzzkill on Sunday. They've been a buzzkill for six straight years. This stat just blew me away. It was from uh Yes Research on Twitter. And uh Yankee starters since 2009, which has been nine seasons, 
So it's only two starters, Sabathia and Tanaka, which is also kind of a crazy thing, uh, combined 8.2 ERA in nine opening day starts. Yeah, that's a lot. And they've lost the last six, I yeah, think. Yeah, six in a row after after yesterday or after Sunday. And, you know, it's such a problem. <laughs> you get so excited. And then <laughs> and then your excitement level, just it, it has to die. It dies. It's just like... First of all, the, the call, which we'll get to, the call heard around the world, which was like the worst freaking call ever. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was insanely furious within an inning and a half. It was that the no, that was the, to- that was the top was the of the first. Inning. Okay, first that inning, was I was third insanely out of the game. furious. Third out of the Yankees season was bullshit, and it's already <laughs> sending the season in a downward spiral. How they miss Matt Holliday beating out that dribbler. I took that screenshot, which took me like five minutes to get. Go to Yankees Podcast, at Yankees Podcast, and scroll down the newsfeed. You'll see the screenshot. His foot is clearly on the base, and the ball is not even in the glove yet. And I'm taking a picture with my iPhone on TV. And these morons with MLB Replay, probably a thousand high-definition TVs back in New York headquarters, can't get that call right? It's it's terrible. They, we need to make it like golf, right? We need to be able to call in and say, "Hey, you missed this." Show them the picture, the screenshot, so that they can change the call. the uh, The fact that they missed that, the fact that they missed that, just proves now to me <laughs> that replay is worthless. So, Major League Baseball, if you're listening, please, I hope you're listening, and you want to change the pace of the game. Just get rid of replay because it doesn't work, apparently. You guys don't look at the facts. You don't look at the foot on the bag and the ball and the glove. You know, the two things that actually determine whether someone's safe or out. You're not looking at that. I don't know what the hell you're looking at. Then just get rid of it. What's the point of it? You wasted my time for nothing. You didn't even get it right. The call in the end of at the end of the day, the call meant jack shit. It was just going to, I mean, it was going to put first and second with Ellsbury up who would have popped out. So it didn't really matter about that. But like you said, the fact that we had to sit there through the replay, everybody, the announcers, everybody was saying, oh, that's going to be reversed. And then they didn't reverse it. I understand sometimes when it's called one way on the field and it's too close, you can't reverse it. But to me, this was clear. It's not just to you. It's to everybody. Everybody who saw this play and saw the replays, it was 100% clear. There was no doubt about it. The ball was not in the glove. And, and by the time we could figure out that the Yankees just got hosed, Tanaka was letting up runs in the, in the bottom of the first inning. There's nothing like getting your all the momentum drained out of your system on opening day, then your starting pitcher goes out there and lays a steaming dump on the mound. <laughs> uh, I know some part of you was, was happy when, when this happened. A little, bit, a little bit of you was happy. And that's and that's sad. First of all, that's <laughs> you, sad. you do know but me I pretty know, well. But I know no, I'm right. You're, I wasn't happy that he was sucking because yes, you were. No, that's exactly. Hey, let what me you explain. Let me explain. You're right. A part of me was happy, but it wasn't <laughs> the fact that he was pitching poorly. It was the fact that I, I know I'm going to be justified this season in my opinion of Tanaka. And let me, for the one millionth time, clarify. My opinion on Tanaka is not that he is a bad pitcher. It is that he is not an ace. I understand pitchers will have bad days, but aces do not go out there on opening day and get their teeth kicked in, which is what Tanaka did. Yes, for the most part, the majority of those people do not go out. 
the the people you call aces do not go out there and get no their teeth aces in. go out there and hit two home runs and don't give up two home runs which is what Tanaka did I'm talking about Madison Bumgarner of course yeah. you have a love affair with Madison Bumgarner yeah he's he's not, not going to be on the Yankees. beast yeah maybe Caprillion can be like that maybe James Caprillion could be like that let the let the beast out of the cage the. The, yeah, you're right. No, he was terrible. I mean, he just didn't have it. He couldn't locate the fastball. Everything, all his breaking stuff was up. It was bad. And and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, don't horrible, call me Devil horrible Rays, offense. were were crushing him. So it was uh, it was it was a terrible terrible opening day. It really was. It's like the Bird, fact that it was Sunday too is just even worse. Bird made the error in the first inning. Tanaka couldn't yeah. pitch around it. Um, Teixeira definitely makes that play. Pulls a hamstring, but he makes the play. Um, you know what? Also, I thought that him, uh, Tanaka, and Sanchez looked out of sync all day. Well, you know they probably haven't had a full game. I mean, this is look. We're going to see these growing. They've had a month to season. prepare. Tanaka was announced They're, as the Yankees' opening day starter at the beginning of February. They've literally had a month to prepare for this, and then there was some cross ups, some drop pitches. Sanchez looked terrible. He made that throwing error. It was like bizarro world. Greg Bird is making making errors at first base. Sanchez is throwing balls up the right field line. Tanaka is getting shelled. And fucking Chase Headley has three hits. What is going on? Okay, a bunt and a dribbler. I mean, those were, those were everybody's like, whoa, why aren't you talking about Chase Headley as three hits? Well, okay, great. He had three hits. Good. That was good. He did. He, 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 uh, he took what they gave him. Uh, I think more people should do that. But uh, the exit velocity wasn't exactly uh, scorching off of the uh, off the radar. Look, this is what it is, okay? It, it, it means nothing. It, it's a bad game. They need to walk it off, and they need to come back on Tuesday and just play baseball. So this is why the beauty of baseball, and it's such a long season, and what happened on Sunday doesn't matter. It of just course. doesn't matter. Of course. And I know that. If they lost the game 4-3 to three on a well-pitched game and a well-played game, that's one thing. But they look they look like a JV team. They look like a JV squad. Yeah. And, and there's part of me that's afraid that they could be a JV squad this year. And I know we've said that we won't care because we have so much to look forward to in the future. But guess what? I care. I lied. I care. I don't want them to suck. I don't want them to look like a JV squad. I want real baseball come September. Screw this. I don't want them to suck. But but that's the thing. Like it, they can't be like this. I mean, it's it's one thing if they're if they're progressing as players, progressing as a team, and not making the playoffs. It's another thing if it's a if it's a dumpster fire. I can't there's watch two, a dumpster fire for 162 games. It's not going to be. Look, I don't know what happened. I don't know what kind of voodoo spell the Tampa Bay Devil Rays put on this team. But something happened. It was weird, and I'm just chalking it up to a bad day for everybody, and it compounded fast, real fast. And it was a bad day for the umpire. The umpires were awful. The strike zone was horrible. I mean, the guy behind the plate could not, I don't think he called one strike uh, in the same place. It was terrible. It really was awful for both sides. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the Yankees. It was both sides. The guys were terrible. The game was terrible. The location was terrible. I'm just going to forget about that game. And it didn't happen. And I'm going to move on to Tuesday. Charles Barkley, terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, uh, our Castro had three hits. That's a positive. Castro had three hits. You know, I, 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 I was talking about this in the offseason with people always looking down the line at, at whoever's going to take Castro's spot. Stop looking down the line. Castro's a good ball player. He's, he's progressed. I think, you know, he hit 20 home runs, was the most in his career last year. I'm, I'm looking for a good season from, from Starling Castro. He's got a lot more bats around him. I think, uh, you know, hopefully he could be a lot more disciplined at the plate with that, 
with that flailing at the uh, the outside uh, breaking ball, which he did. And, um, well, you know he he's going to do it occasionally, but if he can put together, he's one of those guys who, while while I'm not going to compare him to Vlad Guerrero, but he can hit b- bad balls pretty well. He's one of those. <laughs> Those good ball, bad ball hitters. Oh, Vlad Guerrero, though, hit, hit the ball better if it was at his ankles than if it was right down the middle of the plate. Oh, it's there's no there's no doubt. But Castro is one of those guys who's got great hand eye coordination and can hit hit uh, hit the ball that's that's not in the in the strike zone. He's he's good at that. So I'm looking for a, a good year from Starlin Castro. What do you think about Ellsbury in the number five spot? I'm not a fan of it, to tell you the truth. I think I think they should bury him at the bottom, and it's not burying him, but it's not burying him because he sucks. It's it's if you look at the type of player he is, he's a bottom of the order type of player. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy about the the um the lineup like a lot of people were. Uh, so I don't mind. Like I think it's fine if Girardi is is tinkering and experimenting with some things early in the season. I think he should find out where where you know people fit the best. Uh, you know, for the first month of the season or however long. Um, but at the end of the day, he's not a five hitter. Weren't they talking about in the offseason that Ellsbury, the one thing that they're not expecting from him anymore is power? Yeah, I'm but then, sure that was one of the quotes. But then he was going to hit the ball further out so he wouldn't whack the catcher's glove 18 times this season. And that was going to miraculously bring back the power he had in 2011 that obviously had nothing to do with steroids. Yeah, but I think the power they were even talking about wasn't the home run power. It's potentially gap power. Which is getting it out of and- the infield. Getting getting it out of the infield, not hitting the catcher's mitt, and and I, I don't know that just to me that's that suits you more at the bottom of the order. To, to if you're having a good year and you're you're hitting the ball, you're hitting a bunch of singles, or you know you're not making uh, you're not hitting for a lot of power. Like that's that's good to turn the line the lineup over to to get the good hitters up. So I really don't understand him in the five spot. Too many at bats for him. I actually wrote something about this. Um, first of all, I think that if Didi were healthy, I think he would be batting fifth. I agree with that because Didi was batting, I think sixth for the Netherlands team and he was having a great WBC. He had like four doubles in a home run and we saw what Didi was with runners in scoring position last year. So even though I still don't think Didi is the, a traditional number five hitter, he's a way more productive offensive player than Ellsbury. So I think him being injured kind of throws a, a monkey wrench into everything. Well, yeah, and and the fact that he's a lefty, so he fits into that, yeah. that mold of what Joe wanted to do. I mean, Jordy was trying to do the le- the lefty ready lefty, and you know, to his credit, how long have we been complaining about that for for years now? That you know, he's had Ellsbury and Gardner at the top of the lineup, and he didn't do that. To his credit, he did not start the season with that with that uh, with that exact same game plan. So I'm extremely happy that he didn't do that. The fact that Ellsbury was in the five spot was weird. It was strange. I think people were balking at Sanchez in the two spot. I'm fine with that. Get get Gets your best more at-bats. as many at bats. Yeah, they the Yankees expect Greg Bird and Sanchez to be their two best hitters this year. So get them up as much as possible. Yeah, I mean Sanchez Sanchez. If you're looking at a typical lineup, would probably be the three hitter. So ooh, you're moving him up one spot. It's not that big of a deal. You're getting him more at bats. I mean, granted, it's probably not that big of a difference from two to three. But then you're also getting the right. No, it's lefty, actually. I actually lefty. saw stat. It's like 27 at bats on average throughout the season. All right. Well, that's great. That's that's a lot of at bats. Give me 27 more Gary Sanchez at bats. It's perfect. I mean, that's that's what you want, isn't it? That is what you want, says Joe Girardi. Or plate appearances. That is. Plate appearances. That's fine. 
but yeah, I, I like the fact that he's tinkering with stuff. With yeah, the he like early. just like it, the fifth starter, just like the fifth starter, he's throwing shit yeah. against the wall to see what works. Now is the time to do that. No I don't doubt. think Ellsbury's going to be their number five hitter all season, but if it, if they experiment with it while Didi's on the sidelines, I'm I'm not against it because we. I don't want to see Ellsbury batting first or second. Put him in the five spot until he doesn't produce, and then just bury him at the eighth or ninth spot. I'm fine with it. And what's going to happen is if you see Judge starting to produce and he's and he's starting to hit and the strikeouts are cut down, you're going to see him move up in the lineup and probably be in that 5-6 spot. And Judge had a typical Judge day. He uh, His first at-bat, he got that RBI double. It was a hanging slider down the middle of the plate, and he hit it. And then later in the game, he was flailing at that slider in the dirt. It's just there's going to be those growing pains with Judge, but but he's got that potential to just blast the ball out of the stadium. So he's always an exciting at-bat. I mean, if you're ranking exciting at-bats right now, I think you got to go Sanchez, then uh, just Sanchez because of the potential of what he did last year, then Judge, then Bird, is who I'm looking most forward to seeing step up to the plate each time. Yeah, and Matt Holiday, of course. Well, right. No undershirt, like nipple rash, like you said. Yeah, big forearms. Yeah. So the whole the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely screwed me he out of a hit. Did not really look too quick on that. By the way, that was the other thing that Major League Baseball pissed me off about. They screwed me out of a hit on my on our bet. We can I mean, um, unbelievable. We can adjust accordingly towards the end of the season. Little asterisk. Yeah, little asterisk on the asterisk. Uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Maris knows what you're talking about. He does. Um. So I already mentioned Mad Bum being a beast. Uh, did you watch any of that Cubs Cards game last night? I I know it started at like 9 p.m. Eastern, but I actually think now that has taken over the best rivalry in baseball. Yeah, it's a good rivalry. I saw the beginning of it. It's it's pretty amazing how the Cardinals just put out these teams of, of guys who have played all over the diamond. Because Carpenter was a third baseman, a second baseman. Now he's their first baseman. Um, they have. Uh, I forget who all the players were, honestly, but they had rotated different positions. I mean, these guys are playing all over the diamond. It's, it's well, that's that National League style baseball, Scott. Yeah, but I mean, they're like permanent fixtures in these in these spots now. Just like all of a sudden, one guy was a shortstop last year, and now he's a second baseman. One guy was a third baseman, now he's a first baseman, and it's just it's very. It, the Cardinals are just one of those teams who who get just very good baseball players, and they seem to have a lot of them always. Yeah, that crowd was juiced up for that game. It's sort of um, the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry is like the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. And the Cubs finally won, broke their curse just like the Red Sox did. And you remember the hatred that we had for Red Sox because we didn't want to watch them celebrate. And that's what the Cardinals are going through right now. Um, and one, one, thing that's, one thing that's different that I would really like to see come back because it's definitely not there now is I saw a tweet or it was on Facebook or something from Corey with IVNV. Uh, he was at that game, and someone asked him, I think, what the ratio of fans, St. Louis to, to Chicago. And he said 90, 90% Cardinals, 10% Chicago, and, and maybe more, nine, more than 90%. That's an overwhelming sea of red. But that's, that open, that's opening day. I bet, if but you that's go, fine. I bet if you go game two or three, it'll be more, it'll be more like, you know, like a Yankee Red Sox, 70-30. I'm not they're sure so about close. that. They're, they're close proximity to one another. I think that the Cardinals fans take a lot of pride in filling that place up with Cardinals. Well, fans. they're the best fans in baseball. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> but yeah, they do. They do. They take a lot of pride in that. And I think, especially for Cubs games, they try to get those games. But um, I, I'm just surprised that they're able to do that with all the ticket vendors and people buying tickets. You know, with all the the different companies buying tickets now. Yeah. What do you figure it was at the Trop on opening day? 
40% Yankee fans? No, I see. I'm going like 60%. (laughs) I don't think there's, it's amazing though. It's amazing. We're down there and I know we're at Yankee spring training. So it feels like a Yankees town, but you leave the stadium and it feels like a Yankees town. That's what I'm saying. This, This team has no future there. They need to get, they need to leave. I'm surprised they've been there as long as they have. It just doesn't work. Science. <laughs> is, is that what science is? Yes. Um, Teixeira was on the pregame on ESPN. He actually wasn't too bad, but he did say something that kind of caught my ear. He said, when I stepped up versus Lester, I knew he was better than me. And I could not believe that he said that. Like, I've never heard a pro athlete ever admit to someone being better than them. Well, except for Pedro, who, you know, tells yeah, but whose daddy is. Pedro but... did that sarcastically. And I think Teixeira well, was just trying it, to express, I think Teixeira was just trying to express how good Lester can be. And I don't doubt it, but like for Teixeira to say that, like kind of, kind of made him seem like a bitch. Yeah. Especially with Lester. Cause you know, Lester's a prick. He's just one of those guys who just looks like a giant prick. He was the one who was going to, uh, Dexter Fowler was going to tip the cap in the, in the beginning of the game. Cause he played with the Cubs and, uh, Lester was having no part of that. So I don't know. I don't like him saying that. First of all, to is good on the broadcast. I think to is very natural, uh, as a broadcaster. I think he's got that personality. I think he's going to be, I, I'd say he's, uh, he's going to be doing this for a long time. I think he's a, a natural. Editor. Who's better him I, or A-Rod? You want my answer? I think to is better. I think A-Rod has more knowledge. I think, how A-Rod can you base only- that on one game? Because I think he's got a better personality. I just can't stand the robotic motions by A-Rod. This is a loaded question. You know I don't like A-Rod, so what do you think my answer is going to be? I don't like hearing him talk. A-Rod? Your, A-Rod? I can't stand the, the Sean Connery S's at, at the end of every Yeah, they're getting, they're getting worse. It's oh, like he's talking terrible. with a mouthful of marbles. It's, it's marbles. so bad. Marbles. Sunday night. Oh, it's so terrible. I can't handle it. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. One more thing before we get into mailbags. Uh, this happened on Twitter after the Jeff or after the Yankees announced that Severino would be the fourth starter. And some publication, I don't even know what it was, it's CBS, I think, credited Jeff Passan, who I'm sure everyone follows on Twitter, with breaking the news. And Marley Rivera, um, also whoever Yankee fan, uh, sure every Yankee fan follows, went ballistic on Twitter complaining that Jeff Passan didn't break the news because Joe Girardi told a sea of reporters. So they all found out at the same time. He just happened to tweet it first. Well, guess what? That's breaking the news. And also Marley Rivera. Do you really think anyone who follows either of you gives a shit who broke the news? Whether I saw you tweet it 48 seconds before Jeff Passan, I don't give a shit. Reason number 1000 that we've talked about why these old school baseball writers are dying and are stupid. Oh boy. I'm um, heated today. The Yankees put me in a, Tanaka put me in a bad mood. <laughs> I didn't see the I didn't see the whole conversation on Twitter. I saw the screenshots afterwards, but um yeah, who cares? I mean, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. Nobody cares except for them. All sports, not just baseball writers though. It's all sports writers. It's it happens just in football it too. Sound, it makes it makes her sound foolish and pit and uh petty. It happens in it happens in football all the time. I mean, these guys are always constantly giving each other credit, and it's just it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess for them it does because that's it, their for career. them it does. This is their career. I mean, it's like they go in there and then they get beat to a scoop, and they feel like they they think that somehow 
them breaking news is going to like further their their career when in reality I, I just don't think tweeting a minute before that Severino is the fourth starter is really going to do anything for them you've got like this handful of guys like you've got Ken Rosenthal and Buster only who are sort of the national level guys insiders who are the insiders and then everyone else who are all team specific are just all on the on the same general level level playing field in my opinion well, they're trying to get up there. I mean, look at what Feinstein, Feinstein uh, got, you know, he got let go in um, at the Daily News, and now he's a national writer. So, I mean, he's he made that jump. There are some of these guys that do make that jump, and I think that's what a lot of them are, are trying to do. So, look, the problem is is that I I don't think you should get, you're get I think you're getting way too upset about this, first of all. <laughs> I think you're getting too upset about the fact that she's getting upset. It's less me getting upset. It's just me thinking that she's foolish. Well, I, I think a lot of them, first of all, I think they have – a hard job because everybody of social media is breaking news or fake news and all this crap. The fact that fake news is a thing now is so ridiculous and it's just disappointing to the world. So these guys all want credit for, for things that they do. It is, it's true. It's such a horrible thing. It's so stupid. Like CB, I, I watch CBS in the morning sometimes and they have to literally like their tagline is now real news. Like, okay, thanks. I'm glad I'm not watching fake news. Like the fact that that's a tagline now for a national broadcast is ridiculous. So all these guys are just, you know, they're, they're probably so fed up with people jacking their stuff and, you know, fake profiles of themselves on, on Twitter and Instagram. And it's probably really annoying. Yeah. Like assholes out there tweeting that Bryce Harper signed a 10 year contract with the nationals. I Yeah. But did you see who the writer was? <laughs> I put hints in the tweet. Of course, but people don't notice that kind of stuff. Well, they should because nobody can trust Bob Sacramento. All right, you ready to get into some mailbags? Yep. First one comes from Owen Casey. He says, should we be worried about Gary Sanchez? I was watching his at-bats on opening day, and he was chasing pitches in the dirt, and he looked like he was swinging erratically. You can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes right (laughs) now. Oh, for 4 out of El Gary, and we get the first. Are we worried about Sanchez? Mailbag. I love it. Never too soon to overreact. <laughs> no, we should not be. No, we should not be concerned. This was his first opening day, as it was a, a lot of these guys. I guarantee that played into the way that they struggled. I guarantee it. Whether anybody wants to admit that or not, or whether they're pro ball players and it shouldn't, it did. They're human beings. A lot of them was their first one, and they they had the jitters. I mean, threw the ball up the line, 100 miles an hour. It was terrible. He was bad. He had a bad. He had a bad game. A lot of people did. No, I'm not worried about it. He struggled down the stretch. His last like 26 or 27 at bats at the end of last season, I think he was one for 26. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you are lighting the world on fire for you know the first half of it, and you know that was also the probably the most amount of baseball he's ever played in a calendar year. And you come up and you play uh, on top of the the minor league season. These guys are playing a lot of baseball and they're not used to it at that point. I'm not saying that's that's what's happening right now. I'm just saying he's got to get into it. I'm not worried about him at all. Is it time for the Yankees to go to Austin Romine? Yes, veteran guy would oh, not no, have no. Had Is it jitters. time for the Yankees to trade for Brian McCann back? No, I heard John Ryan Murphy, though, is in AAA. Is it available. time for the Yankees to sign Jorge Posada out of retirement? No, better yet, Girardi's going to strap up. He's going to player manage and catch. I could see that happening. Dude's jacked. He is jacked. No, let's not worry about Gary Sanchez yet. Please, for the love of God, give if it more than one game. If we have to worry about Gary, Gary Sanchez on day one, we're going to have a long season, people. 
Oh boy. But I love it. I love, I love Owen's passion there. All right. What do we have next? Next is from Brandon. He said, what is one thing aside from the Yankees winning that can happen this year to make you excited for next season? Also, when are you going to go to the twice a week show? You want to answer that second part first? Yeah. Do we need like breaking news, breaking news, uh, music? Dun, dun, dun. That in. That's that's like doomsday. Um, yeah, we're going to two, twice a week. Starting next week, 100%, we're going to make an effort to do it this week. Uh, just the, our schedule is not aligning. But next week, starting next week, and every week past that, we are going to be doing two shows per week for all of you. You asked for it. You got it. Two shows a week. Bronx Pinstripe Show. Two shows a week. <laughs> Hardest working Yankees bloggers, podcasters in the game. You and I right here. You're damn right. I'm Marley excited. Rivera, I'm should, excited. Mar- we should we should uh, we should show Marley Rivera how much money we make as as uh, as yeah, as covering the Yankees. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it, it twice a week makes sense, um, definitely for the season because sometimes we go a week without recording, and I feel like there's so much to talk about that it's impossible to fit it into an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes, and we end up just. I feel like we end up losing a lot of the passion. Like if something happens on a Tuesday in a Tuesday game and we don't record till Monday the next week, I feel like it's totally lost and we need to talk about it sooner. Yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to, we'll, we'll announce the actual schedule of the days and times and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, you can, you can bank on two shows coming up. And to answer Brandon's first part of the question, he says, aside from them winning, what will ha- what could happen this year to get us excited for next season? And I think that similar to what happened last year and w- and just seeing signs of a future. Last year, we saw signs of uh, Gary Sanchez being the future of the Yankees. And I think that if we continue to see that progress, whether it's Gary Sanchez or Greg Bird or Aaron Judge or if Clint Frazier gets called up or, or anything like that, then I think that Fans will be just excited, if not more excited, for 2018. We're already talking about, first of all, we're already talking about 2018, and it's day one of 2017. (laughs) But you hit the nail on the head. This year is all about progression. It's not about, it's not about one, it it can't be one thing. You're asking for one thing, meaning maybe one guy I'm I'm looking for. I think Brandon mentioned um, he would be, his one thing would be Severino, you know, taking that next step and being, uh, more of that frontline guy that we thought he was going to be. But in my opinion, it can't just be one thing because the Yankees' future is not settled on one guy or two guys. There are there's so many what-ifs on this team that we need to see progression from multiple guys uh, for you know for this rebuilding of the empire, as we've been saying, to, for it to actually happen. And we need to see you know steady progression from a lot of people, and it's not just one dude or two guys. So, um, yeah, I think it's a multitude of things. But, again, it doesn't all have to come in one one lump sum it's just got to be a natural a progression and uh i think if we see that from a lot of these guys we're going to see this team do well there i i mean there is a way for the yankees to i think kill a lot of the momentum that they're gaining i mean say gary sanchez and greg bird take step backs not even saying they suck but if they just take step pack step backs and they look like they're just going to be regular baseball players i think that could put a real damper on a lot of people's excitement yeah, it could. It, it could, but you know, those are not things we need to worry about right now. I mean, I, I I get that 
first of all, not everybody's going to be what, what we all think they're going to be. It's a hundred percent not going to happen. The hundred percent guaranteed that some one or two of these guys does not live up to expectations. So again, we talked about this in this off season with, with the team as, as, as overall and Gary Sanchez's number He's not going to hit 90 home runs. You got to temper your expectations, realize that these guys are, are still young baseball players and they're not going to come out and, and hit like Manny Ramirez did in his, you know, in his sixth or seventh year. I mean, it's just not realistic. You need to have a, a natural progression of a baseball player as they move forward in their career. And that's what we're looking for. I mean, say Gary Sanchez hits two home runs on uh, tonight. I mean, he could still hit 90 home runs. It's still possible. Yeah, that's possible. And most likely it will happen. But I'm just saying, expectations low. You will get very excited when he does hit 90 home runs. That is one thing that I forgot. I, I got too high. I think I got too high. Wouldn't be oh, the first definitely. time, but I think I got too high. Definitely. Yeah. All right, next mailbag comes from Lee Jones, and he says, I'm probably setting myself up for a fall, but if Torres performs well at shortstop and, conversely, Headley gets off to a slow start again like last season, is there any chance that they slide toe over to third when Didi returns and look to dump Chase? They've got Wade in reserve for the utility spot as well, so it's not even dependent on how Gliber is getting on. So... This is actually an interesting scenario. The fact that Headley comes off to a, gets off to a slow start and DD returns, obviously DD is going to take that shortstop spot, and then you have Torres as uh, either your 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 super utility guy still, or or um, from this scenario you're saying taking over at third base. So I think we could see something similar to what happened last year at the end of the year, where uh, if Torres is hot. Girardi will keep him in. And and if that's taking over at third base and playing some third, then I absolutely could see that happen. We could end up seeing more of a platoon at third base with Torres and Headley, if, especially if, if Headley's not hitting. Um, but at the, at the same time, look what Glaber Torres is doing in double in A. Everybody should keep an eye on that because he's going to move fast. He's playing multiple positions. Yeah, actually, uh, this is a good – sorry to interrupt you, but um, yeah. they released his – or released, his schedule. His schedule, right? And it's Did good. you break that news? Did you – who released it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, now I can't give them credit, and I'm probably going to unfollow them on Twitter. Whoever didn't tweet that first, I'm unfollowing you on Twitter. <laughs> what was the schedule, though? Do you have it handy? I don't have it, but it was one day at second, one day at short, and one day. No, at, it was you know. uh, it was one day at second, three days at short, two days That's at it. third. Yeah. So we're seeing more third base. Yep. We're seeing second base. We're seeing shortstop. Look, he's going to be an infielder, and he's going to go to the spot that that fits. Uh, the Yankees. That's what's going to happen. I still, I mean, I don't think they think Torres is an everyday player. So, no, Chase Headley would have to, Chase, I think Chase Headley would have to break his leg for uh, for Torres or somebody to take over full time. I think it would have to be an emergency situation. I don't think it's going to be a full time thing, though. That's what I'm saying. I think that we could see Torres, if he's hot, staying in the lineup. Very similar to what we did last year. If you remember, Headley was benched for a while because Torres was was hot for like a week, almost two weeks, and he stayed at third base. I could see Girardi doing that. He's got no loyalty to Chase Headley anymore. This is this it means nothing. And th- if they're if they're winning the games and uh, Torres is playing well, he's probably going to play. Chase Headley is the Yankees' hottest hitter right now. That's true. Squib squib down third base. Bunt. And I don't even remember what the third one was. Squib down third base. It was it was it was bad. It, it was extra bad because you could tell he wasn't trying to do it. Other than the bunt, he wasn't trying to go down third base. He got jammed and just fought it off. Yeah, what are you talking about? He was giving. He was taking what they gave him. 
He was fighting it off to the third baseline. It was a beautiful piece of hitting. Doesn't it look like he he is a guy who just learned how to swing left-handed like two days ago and he's going up there? His swing looks so horrible from the left side. I honestly think that he could be a better player if he just focused on hitting right-handed. Because his swing from the right side at least has some force behind it. At least the ball doesn't come backwards off the bat. He's a really nice guy. Uh, all right. What do we have uh, from sock therapy? Sock therapy. I just lost it. Okay. Sock therapy comes back out of the hibernation. He said, what's up? What's going on? Bronx pinstripes crew. Sorry for my disappearance. I have been busy, but I have still been listening. So here's some trivia. Poorly timed trivia, might I add, <laughs> before I get to it. But during my time as a Yankee, uh, he gives five clues. Clue number one, I was sixth in the AL and ERA among qualified pitchers. Clue number two, only three pitchers in the AL had less losses than me, despite me pitching the 24th most games during that time. Plus, I suffered an injury and missed three months of one season. Everybody should already know who this is. Clue number three, I was fifth in the AL in WPA among qualified pitchers. Win probability added. Another awesome metrics. The Yankees also had a 69% chance to win the game if I started in it. Sexy. Clue number four. I was, I was 12th in AL in FIP <laughs> the f- and 9th in war, in war among qualified. You don't know what FIP is, bro? Clue number five. Contrary to the belief of some, I won't name names, I am the Yankees' ace. So how about you guys lay off me and go pick on Chase Headley some more? And that's exactly what we just did. <laughs> uh, FIP is fielder uh, independent pitching. So it's your ERA if there was no fielders. Basically, oh strikeout. God. Basically, not non-contact ERA. Right. Awesome. What's his, what's his B-whip, though? That's all I want to know. Um, <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to this other than this was really was, poorly timed by sock therapy if, if he's uh, supporting Masahiro Tanaka right now. Yeah, it was a good effort. Tanaka did not did not help your. I wonder what inning he was like. Ah, shit! I wish I hadn't ascend that. Yeah, he he definitely he tweeted something. I forget when it was. It got it's it's buried. I I don't know where it is, but he definitely tweeted something out of us too uh, about that. Tana- so. our, our Tanaka, uh, our our quote unquote ace, couldn't get out of the third inning on opening day. Not very ace ish. Okay, we'll see what happens with the next time, and then the time after that, and the time after that, and then you know for 161 more games, we'll be okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, who submitted mailbag questions. It's fun to be back in the regular season. Uh, to submit mailbag questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Rotondi. And Scott is at Scott Reinen. Call the voicemail line. We have not had any voicemails in a while, but I'm hoping now that the season is back on, we will see some voicemails roll in. That number is 646 480 0342 and again opening day one word is the 25% off code Scott any last words before we get out of here I will reiterate June 10th I'm extremely excited about it get excited tell your friends we need a lot of Yankee fans coming up so don't just think about you think about all your boys or girls or whomever or Yankee fans uh, we want to make this a big party it's going to be a lot of fun June 10th versus the Orioles which is a perfect game for it too so um, yeah June 10th lock it up boom
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.